0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. How many here are grandparents, by the way? Isn't it a wonderful phase of life? Amen, amen. You, you get to kiss them and, and you get to hold them. Then you get those dirty diapers, you get to send them home. <laughs> oh, Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. How, how, many, how many here were at the Holy Spirit Conference? I didn't get to see the hands a well while ago. Amen. That that was so awesome and so good. I got I got so blessed down there myself, and you know it was such a blessing. The Dr. Barclay, uh, you know, me so much down there. I, re, I really really loved that. It was great. As Mrs. Pastor said, we had about 75 there this year. Next year, we believe we're going to have 150. We're going to double it and be a real blessing down there. And uh, by the way, tonight we'll be having some testimonies from the Holy Spirit Conference. And uh, it's not going to be preaching testimonies, it's going to be short testimonies. Because there's a lot of people down there, a lot of people want to say some things. So tonight we'll give a minute or two to the ones that want to talk to be able to share some things. And, you know, so just be thinking about what you want to share if you're going to share tonight. And don't bring notes up there, because the only one can bring notes up here is the preacher. (laughs) Because we got the sermon, but you got the testimony, so... So so one or two little nuggets the Lord spoke to your heart or something, you know, maybe something spiritual thing happened to you down there like that. Share it tonight and it'd be really good to be a blessing to the people. We love those kind of things, don't we? Amen. Well, does anybody here need a sermon outline? If you do hold up your hand and the ushers are coming your way. And while the ushers are coming your way, I'll show you a couple things that's in line with the sermon and the prayer series we're doing right now. Uh, we've, we've been showing this, and we're going to keep on showing it. It's called The Art of Prayer. The Art of Prayer by Brother Hagin. And this is the Believer's Authority. This is the Believer's Authority. It's also by Brother Hagin. And we, we show his books a lot because Brother Hagin was the biggest influence on my life. And a lot of people in this church... More than anybody else, he he was uh, a real word of faith man that taught the word of God, role modeled the word of God, and his teachings are so simple, are so simple, that uh, really you have to be blind not to receive what he had to say. But uh, this art of prayer is really what a lot of this series will be doing. I don't know how long this series is going to go, it may go for the whole year, I don't know. Because Christians need to know. How to pray to get results. Christians need to know how to pray Bible prayers and not religious prayers. You know, Jesus talked about the religious prayers. He said they're just praying to be heard of men. He said they got the reward. This is Matthew 6. He said religious prayers just like to be heard for the eloquent prayers. And so they get the reward. That's people say, "Woo, ain't they something? But they said when you pray, he said don't use a lot of words. Go to your prayer closet. And said, Your Father, which hears you in secret, will give you your reward openly. And that means answered prayers. And so that means that if you're praying for your kids to be delivered, your open to reward is your kids are delivered. Yes. If you're praying for your financial situation to turn around, for God to bless you for a better job, things to happen, your open reward is you got the job. 2,000 people standing in line, and you may have been way down to the bottom of the list for qualifications, but you got the job. God does those things. And so that's what we're talking about, is how to get answers to our prayers. We want people saved. We want people delivered. We want people healed. We want people prospered. Start with ourselves and our families, amen? And so those books there teach you a lot of things like that. But this series is going to be hitting on a a lot of different angles. And the main thing is, God wants our church to turn into a lean, mean praying machine. He wants this church to impact this region and the world. And that all starts with people have a relationship with God that know how to pray and get answers. Amen? And so today, we're going to be talking about how to pray for believers. How to pray for believers. I'll talk more about this in a minute. But I want to look at our theme verse, first of all. Isaiah chapter 56, verse 7. Isaiah fifty six verse seven. The Lord gave me this up at Big Bear last year for two thousand and eighteen. And as soon as he gave it to me, I knew the direction he was leading us. Our church has grown a lot in a lot of ways, but the area we really haven't grown is is being a powerful praying family that knows how to pray together and get results. And you know, uh, the Lord began to really so I can go back to the year two thousand, back in the fall of two thousand, actually back in about uh July of 2000. I was walking through my house one day, getting ready to go to a minister's conference in Branson, Missouri. I'll never forget it. I was walking through my house. I'd been a preacher for a lot of years, a whole lot of years. I was a TV preacher back in Indiana and all kinds of things. I really had a lot of people that I taught and followed me, uh, politicians and (laughs) policemen and judges. We really had influence back in Indiana. And so I had a lot going on. But I was walking through my house and I know when God talks to me, we was rushing, getting ready to get out the door to go to Branson. And all of a sudden, I heard this in my heart. I want to be your prayer partner. Well, we were all rushed and getting ready to go. And we had some awesome prayer times down there at that church. And so we had to get in the car and go to Branson. And a couple of days later, I sit at a service and somebody was teaching and preaching. And the Holy Spirit was ministering to me. And all of a sudden, I about fell out of my seat. I said, "What? I f- you were my prayer partner?" <laughs> and I knew what he's talking about. Prayer partner. My kids went to a Christian school, and the Christian school they every year had had different students assigned to somebody else's school to be prayer partners. So they prayed together, prayed for each other, things like that. And so the Lord told me, "I want to be your prayer partner." And so then. After he said that, I began to seek him, and for, the, I'd say, probably the next, boy, probably, I know, very intense for the next three months. I be began getting up earlier and earlier and earlier. I ended up losing 50 pounds. I would not purposely fasted necessarily, but I got up so early every day. I spent all day long in prayer, and in the Word filled up volumes and volumes in my journal, the things God taught me, and, man, I got Skinny. Because I just, I wasn't hungry. I was just hungry for God. I spent hours and hours and hours praying. He began to teach me some things about prayer. This None of this is in my notes for the sermon. I didn't even know this was going to come out. It's just coming out. So I just let it rip. Let it come out what comes out. He began to teach me some things. And the Lord said to me one day, What always precedes a major move of God? Well, I was walking so close to the Spirit with him. I did not want to give him any religious answers that I'd already heard talk to somebody else. So I thought, "Ma'am, when God asked me that, he set me up. You know, it's like you, you go you go around some of these slick lawyers, you know how they ask you a question under oath? They already know the answer. They just want to hear you answer so they can get you. Well, God's not like that, but I knew better to answer because he was going to get me. And by that I mean he was going to straighten up my thinking. And so I said... Sir, what do you consider to be a major move of God? Because if he told me what precedes a major move of God, I thought, man, I better know what a major move of God is first. And so then the Lord, a week later, he talked to me again. He took me to the book of Exodus. How many you ever heard of the book of Exodus in the Bible? And so then he told me, I just went to that like he told me to. And he said, look up the meaning of the title of the book, Exodus. i mean, be, boy, talking about Revelation. I said, okay, I looked it up. But what are the meanings of this? Big move. <laughs> he said, I consider it a major move of God. Why deliver an entire nation? Is yeah. that what happened? When that book of Exodus about, they all got delivered from Pharaoh's bondage. They all got set free. They all got set free to go to the promised land. And so then... He said, well, it always precedes the major move of God. Well, the big move is He delivers a nation. Does America need delivered? Does America need delivered? Isn't it time for Christians to quit fighting Christians? Also, back during that time period, the Lord told me the reason that America was divided was because the church was divided in America. Christians fighting about stupid stuff instead of doing what they're supposed to do, preaching the gospel, getting people into heaven. Amen. If that started to happen, America would be delivered in one day. If all of a sudden Christians decided that our main number one goal for America is to want to see people saved, then all of a sudden we wouldn't fight about all the stupid stuff. Anyway, then as he began to talk to me, he said, Prayer always precedes the major move of God. Prayer. And he took me through the book of Exodus. And when Pharaoh and the Egyptians had the Hebrews as slaves, Then it says, and this this is stuff I haven't looked at for a long time. This is coming out now, so get a hold of this. As you begin to read the book of Exodus in about chapter 2 or chapter 3, it says they all, with one voice, cried out to God. They cried out to God because of Pharaoh's bondage. When the whole nation began to cry out to God, that's called prayer. Cried out to God. And then the number two thing then, what I'm telling you now took place over a period of about a month. It just teaching me week by week. Then the number two thing then God said precedes the major move is number one, his people got to get fed up and start crying out. Then he said the number two thing, he said, I always, I always raise up leadership. Well, they cried out, all of a sudden there's a guy on the backside of the desert named Moses. At a burning bush, God talked out of And God said, Moses, my people are crying out and I've heard them. Now, I want you to go, Moses, and leave my people out. God's raising up Christian leaders across America right now in answer to prayers. Amen. 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 And then the number three thing that precedes the major move of God, he said, was unity. Those people initially got unified behind Moses and Aaron. And they listened to what the leaders had to say. And then guess what happened? Because they listened, God sent Moses to Pharaoh, said, let my people go. And the man thought, well, no, who's this guy here? I'm not going to listen to him. So he turned up the heat. And you know, the bottom line is, they all covered the doorpost with the blood of the lamb. The death angel came through. Pharaoh had enough of that stuff, said, get out of here. And so the leaders marched to the Red Sea. And with the authority of God, they held up that rod, and the waters parted. And they, being led by God-given leadership, walked across the Red Sea on dry ground. But then Pharaoh and his army, they tried to do in the flesh what Israel did in the spirit they went through there that what wouldn't dry any more. The sea came down and killed them. Amen. And so what I'm saying is this. God is raising up praying churches today. God wants our church to be a praying church. Let me give you another example. How many have ever read the book of Acts in the Bible? What were about 120 people doing? What were they doing? They were praying together in unity. Some of the key words of the book of Acts is one accord, one heart, one mind, one soul, all together in one place in unity. And would you say that when all of a sudden you got 120 people praying and fire comes down from heaven and gets on their head and strange tongues start coming out and all that whole community saw what was going on and then Peter, the uneducated fisherman, Stands up, preaches the first sermon in the New Testament, and 3,000 people got saved right then. And then he preached another one and 5,000 people got saved. Well, the day of Pentecost was a major move of God. The major move of God came because there were people praying together for a move of God, praying in unity. And I don't know about you, but I know about me, what I see, and what I believe. I was talking to the preachers a couple of nights ago. We was talking about California. And it's real easy to talk about California on the negative side. And you know what I believe? I said there's going to come a point in time pretty soon where this government in California, a lot of these people call their God, they not going to be able to take care of their needs anymore. Amen. You cannot keep violating the principles of God this long and get by with it forever. Because God said he'll not be mocked. He said, what a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. He said, you keep sowing to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. He said, you sow the Spirit, you can reap everlasting life. And so I believe, and you know what? We don't sit on the news. We don't sit in newspapers. But all across California, there's churches like ours. There's churches that have serious Christians in them. There's churches that have real pastors in them. There's churches that have real believers in them, and they're crying out to God. And so I think about when Israel was in Egypt, there was a whole lot more Egyptians than there were Hebrews. But guess what? All it takes is one God. All it takes is one God showing up His people. I think about the time that Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16, they were in a prison in stocks. And they were crying out in praise of the worship of God as they were down there. And all of a sudden, God sent an earthquake. And when God sent an earthquake, nobody in the prison got hurt, but all the chains came off the prisoners. All the doors opened up, and all the prisoners were set free. And, you know, I just want to say this, something I've thought about about that passage before. There must have been a lot of Christian persecuted prisoners in there because God would not go, up, go about setting murderers and rapists and thugs free. So there must have been a lot of people in there that were followers of God got set free because that earthquake came, they came out. And so all it takes is God sent to one God earthquake through California. Set a lot of people free. And so that's the direction we're heading. God wants churches to really become praying churches. And for a praying church... To be a good praying church, yet to have individual prayers that really know how to pray. And when you bring prayers together that they've got a good prayer life themselves, they come together in unity. Well, the Old Testament says one will put a thousand to flight, two will put ten thousand to flight. So you bring some prayers together that really know how to pray, and you're going to see a move of God. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. So our theme verse says this, even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Make them joyful in my house of prayer. I'll tell you what, when you know in your heart that you've got the answer, no matter how bad the situation looks, you can laugh at it. And that's what God says. He wants us to have a good time praying because we know that we've got the answer. Amen. Amen. It says, "...and the burnt offerings or sacrifices shall be accepted upon my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people." And so this verse has a double meaning. This is our theme verse for 2018. has a double meaning. Number one, God wants His church buildings to be a place where people pray. Have me believe that. Amen. Then number two, write these verses down because I didn't put them on your outline. I got two verses I want you to write down. Write down 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, and 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. And in the New Testament, those verses say, and a lot of you probably know this, but if you don't know this, get the revelation day. look these verses up later on. Says, your body is now the temple of the Holy Ghost. It says God lives in your body now. Your spirit's in your body. And when you're born again, Jesus said, "Let me and my Father come and dwell with them. We'll dwell in them. And so Jesus lives in your body. And so this church building is a church building. And the reason God's in this church building right now is because there's believers in this church building that have God in them. We walk out of this building, the building's empty. We come back in, God comes back in because he lives in us. How many believe that? He lives in us. And so God wants believers to come into church buildings to pray in those buildings. But the most important thing is this, since your body is now God's building, God wants you to be a person that knows how to pray because you're his house. And he said his house shall be called a house of prayer. That means God wants believers to know how to pray in his house, at your house. Can you see that? Amen. So God wants believers to be praying people. You know, there's a lot of different directions we go with that, but that's not for today. And so we're going to talk about how to pray for believers. You pray for unsaved people different than you pray for believers. I'll give you an example just real quickly so we get to where we're going here. But how many have ever heard John chapter 3, when Jesus said, you must be born again? Well, John chapter 3, verse 3, he said, you can't see, now, that's a big key right there, see. You can't see the kingdom of God, except you're born again. We've got spiritual eyes, and we got natural eyes. These eyes right here can just see what they see in this physical world. But inside of our spirit, we got spiritual eyes. And so Jesus said you can't see spiritual things except you're born again. That's John chapter 3, verse 3. I hope you're taking notes because, you know, we quote a lot of Scripture. And we, you know, we for the sake of time, we don't look at all of them all the time. But John chapter 3, verse 3 said you must be born again to see spiritual things. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, write this down. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Paul said that unsaved people are blinded. Well, that's talking about eyes. It says they're blinded to the gospel by the God of this world, the devil. And so there's blinders. Blinders on people not born again. They've got spiritual eyes too, except Satan has them blinded. Because, well, I'll give you an example. You know, people, most people in America hear one point or another There's still enough Christians in America that people hear the gospel on their jobs and places people witness. Well, get a picture of this. You're a person, got your family in your car, you're driving down the road, 70, 80 miles an hour, and you start seeing warning signs out there, bridge out, bridge out, bridge out. And you're driving down the road, plowing ahead, and people blowing their horns trying to stop you. You got your family. There's no person in the right mind. Going to drive down the interstate highway, warn the bridge is out, and take their family off and get their whole family killed unless they're blinded. There's no human being that's going to hear about eternity and about Jesus and not make that decision to receive Jesus except they're blinded. They hear about it on the inside. They know it. They think, well, that's right. That's right. Well, I sure, I sure hope hell's not real. I, I sure hope heaven's not real. Oh, I sure hope that these church people tell me that I've got to, I've got to receive Jesus. Oh, I hope that's not right because I don't want to do that yet. Well, they're blinded, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 to the gospel. And so we pray for sinners or unsaved people. We bind the devil to take the blinders off their eyes in Jesus' name so they can see. We pray for the Lord to soften their hearts so they can yield to the Holy Spirit. We pray from Matthew chapter Nine, for the Lord of the harvest to send laborers to him to share the gospel with them. We pray, that's how we pray for sinners. We need to pray for them because sinners don't need prosperity. They don't need healing. I mean, they need all those things. But that's not number one. Number one thing a sinner needs is to be born again. Because they could be a billionaire. They could never have a sick day in their life. Live to be 120 years old. But if they die without Jesus Christ, they're in hell for eternity. And so the number one thing we pray for people not born again, we pray for the Lord of the harvest to send people We break the power of the devil over their mind so they get born again. Amen. That's how we pray for them. But once Christians are Christians because we receive Jesus, you have to pray for them different. They don't need to receive Jesus. They have Jesus. So we pray for Christians in a different way. And that's what we're looking at today for the book of Ephesians and how many know who Paul the Apostle was? Do you believe that Paul the Apostle was led by the Holy Spirit in things that he wrote? Hey Amen. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And so Paul the Apostle, he walked, with, he walked with God. He walked with the Holy Ghost. As a matter of fact, when you read Paul's story, he used to be a guy named Saul. He was blinded. And then it says scales come off his eyes and he could see them. But I want to look at this right here in Ephesians chapter 1. I, have, I had a verse for that first day I want to look at. Yeah, first of all, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 before we get there. We'll make a little jump here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I actually would have liked to talk all 1 Corinthians 2 on this, but I want you to see a couple verses here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 says this. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard. That's talking about natural eyes and natural ears, your physical part. Neither is into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. That tells me right there, there's things that God has prepared for you. And he says right here, you can't get there from here. He says your physical eye is not going to see it. it. Says your physical ear is not going to hear it. But I want to say this again. I want this to get into you because I'm I'm believing there could be some revelation knowledge come to the heart of the believers of this church today. God says he has things prepared for you. let me say, God has things prepared for me. Now say this, I'm going to see about it. And I'm going to hear about it today. Amen. It says, the things which God has prepared for them to love Him. But look at this now. But God hath revealed to them, hath revealed them unto us. That word revealed right there is a really, really, really key word we're going to really be looking at today. God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. And so God wants all believers to see and know things of the Spirit. I want to say that again. God wants every one of you, that's a born-again child of God, to see and know things of the Spirit. The devil should not be possessing your family. The devil should not be taking your money, still in your car, still in your job, still in your retirement. You know, I think again about Israel and Egypt. When you study the book of Exodus, the Hebrews lived in Egypt, but when the curse came, the Hebrews were always protected. When the cattle died, it says not one cow belonging to the Hebrews died. When the locusts came in, it said not one locust entered the Hebrews' house. And so we as Christians, Jesus said in John 17, said we live in this world, but we're not of this world. So if all these different things go around, all around us, when we walk with God and know our covenant, Psalms ninety one said it this way A thousand may fought my left hand, ten thousand my right, but do not come nigh me. As we live in this world, as our eyes are opened up to see the things that God's prepared for us and some of the things we're going to talk about today, we can live in this world no matter how bad it is, and have our needs met abundantly. Amen. Is Jesus Christ the same yesterday today, and forever? Amen. Well, let them take our food. We'll just pray over what we got and keep on reaching in pulling the fish out. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Let us take our transportation. We'll walk on the water. Amen. Amen. What difference does it make what they do if we're walking in our covenant and He saved yesterday and forever and God says, I got things prepared for you. Well, the things means spiritual things, At natural things. God has things prepared for us. It says God has those things prepared to tease us with to just let us know, boy, I wish you guys could have this. No, it says God has things prepared for us that love Him. You know? And so, to me, one of the big key there is make sure that we love Him. You know, God loves His church, God loves everybody, but church people that love God that serve God, get a better position to receive from God. And so I want to make sure I stay in church. I want to make sure I read my Bible. I want to make sure that I forgive people that do wrong against me. I want to make sure that I reach out to poor people, that I do what I can do to be a blessing because God says, well, I'll tell you, just paraphrased the theme of the New Testament, God loves people through people. God uses people to share His love. And so I want to make sure I come in continually to get filled up with more, to take more out. Because God said right here, He has things prepared for them that love Him. And so I want to stay qualified. I want to keep loving Him. I'm no better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. Amen. And so He said that He wants us to see the things that He has for us. Now go to Ephesians chapter 1. And keep it in mind, God told us he wants us to be prayers. He wants you to pray in his church. And because your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, you live inside of it, he wants you to be a prayer that knows how to pray at home, knows how to pray in the car. And if you're driving with your eyes open and your hands on the wheel, don't close your eyes and raise your hands or you may meet Jesus too soon. If you have to do that, be like the cell phone law, pull over the side of the road, put it in park, shut it off, and then raise your hands and close your eyes. (laughs) Amen. But Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15 says this. And Paul was led by the Spirit of God when he wrote this down. He said, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith. Well, guess what? He's talking to believers then. You don't hear of the faith of non-believers because the number first part of faith is receiving Jesus. And so he's talked to believers. I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your what? Love unto all the saints except the ones in your own family. You want me to tell you the biggest love test you've got to pass is love of the people living in your house? Amen. I'll tell you what. If you could get along with the people in your house you see every day, you see them on their good days, see them on their bad days. See them on no matter what's going on. You see them every day, and some days they're pleasant, and some days they're not. Some days you're pleasant, some days you're not. But if you can love the people in your house, it makes a lot easier to love other people in other places. Amen. Love unto all the saints, including your wife. Including your husband. Including your parents' children and teenagers. Amen. All the saints. Oh. Ah. Thank you, Jesus. We got plenty of time. I'm a pastor. I can tell plenty of things to help people. Let me tell you something, parents. Your teenagers, no matter how goofy they are, because you are too no matter how they act sometimes, your teenagers were children of God for they were your children. He is their father too. He's answered their prayers too. He's listened to them too. So when you get ticked off, it might be time to get on your knees in private. It might be time to quit browbeating and start doing some praises to Jesus for what he's doing in their lives. Amen. Love unto all the saints Well, your children belong to him. And then at the same time for the children, the spiritual children and teenagers. It might be time to have unloading on dad and mom. And tell God what to do to them. Start doing some praise of God thanking Him that you have parents. Because a lot of people don't. And that, especially if you've got Christian parents, be praying that the Lord speak to their hearts. And open their eyes to see things they need to see. Amen? Am I preaching real good? Amen. Well, you know, I, as a Bible teacher, I take the Bible literally. If He says all saints, he didn't say all Christians except the ones you live with. All means all. Amen. Now, so anyway, here's what he said in his prayer. I'm going to read up to verse 23. We'll come back and talk about a couple of verses specifically. He says, make a mention of my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know was the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance to in the saints and what is exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at the own right at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the folds him that filleth all in all. That is a prayer for believers that the Holy Spirit had Paul record for the Bible so we know how to pray for Christians. Amen. Amen. There's so much here that I want to make sure I get to the points of what I want to get to. But I'll just, I'll just start off right here. Look at verse 17 and verse 18 in this prayer. He said he's praying for Christians that they would receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. That their spiritual eyes, the eyes they're to have, would be opened so they'd know. Opened. So they know what's the hope of God's calling for their life. And so you notice these phrases here, spirit of wisdom and revelation, eyes of understanding being opened to know. I want to give you a definition here. I like this from the Merriam-Webster dictionary. Reveal, see revelation there means revealed. Revelation, revealed means supernatural, Are inspired revelation of truths beyond the range of ordinary human vision or reason. Truths you can't see with your eyes. You know, I think about when David got healed of leukemia when he was three and a half years old. Doctors saw natural facts. They saw microscopes that said blood full of cancer, blood full of leukemia. I saw... Call for the elders of the church. Anoint him with all the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. That's what I saw. My spiritual eyes saw what the Spirit of God said of the Bible. 1 Peter 2.24 That by Jesus' stripes he was healed. Natural eyes saw microscopes talking to him. Spiritual eyes saw God talking. I looked beyond what I can see in the natural, and let God open me up for the things that he hath prepared for me that loves him. He had things prepared for me for my son called healing. I saw that two weeks later, the doctors got to see it too, when they looked at their microscopes again, and they saw cancer-free blood and healed blood. And so, in other words, what you see in the spirit, when you get a hold of it, when you pray it out, It'll show up in the natural. That's what I said was called open reward. Jesus said, you pray in secret, your Father gives you open reward. That was a very wonderful open reward. I saw at different times when I was a truck driver and needed jobs, I saw with the eyes of my spirit, my God will promote you. From Psalms 75, verse 6 and 7, it says promotion is coming from God. Man does things, but God promotes I saw a promotion that I would get jobs where there were no jobs. Because I saw things that God had prepared for me that loved him. I saw those things. And since my vocation was truck driver at the time, it would have been a very hard thing trying to make me a school teacher. I didn't need a school teaching job. And uh, I for sure didn't need a car salesman job. I can't sell anything. I could preach the gospel. What could I do back then? I could drive semis really well. And so I needed some things called good semi-job that had good hours, had good pay, had good benefits. And when I saw those, then I got to see those. They showed up. And so what I'm telling you, what we're looking at today, we're going to show you how to pray for believers, how to pray for yourself, how to reach into that spiritual world. And pull things out of this natural world because things are things. You know, matter of fact, uh, that thing's sitting right here. <laughs> Proverbs eighteen twenty two. When I was a single man, I was praying. The Lord gave you Proverbs eighteen twenty two said, whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing. That's what it says. Obtaineth favor of the Lord. I put that scripture on the side of my refrigerator. And every day, I walked past, I said, Lord, I want more favor. Thank you for me my good thing. <laughs> and guess what? Blonde, bright, bold, and beautiful things showed up. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Amen. You know, i just say something out there, throw this out there, what it's worth. I say nice things, I don't say bad things. For you deceived people that are running around trying to find your mate in the taverns, in the bars, at the wrong places. Stop. Pause. Let Jesus find it for you. Amen. You know where I found my good thing at? Church prayer meeting. Yeah. When my center truck driver friends laughed at me, they say stuff like, What are you doing, Bernie? Going to another prayer meeting? I say, yeah, what are you doing? Going to hell? (laughs) I didn't say that. I thought it, but I didn't say it. But the whole thing was, yes, it paid off to go to a prayer meeting. Amen. It's paid off in dividends. Man, that girl's kept me straight for a long time. Okay, and so he said that that, uh, we would receive revelation, knowledge from him, and so, write this down. I think it's probably on your thing there. But the number one thing, all born-again believers, I said all born-again believers, I'm talking about Christians, need is revelation knowledge of New Testament Bible truths of, number one, who they are in Christ. You need to know who you really are. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, Second Corinthians five seventeen, new creature. Old things are passed away, all things have become new. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that we're the righteousness of God in Christ. The Living Bible says that God took all of our sin and poured it into Christ. Took all of his goodness and poured it into us. We call that the great exchange. And so, I'm not an old sinner saved by grace. Because I'm still an old sinner. I'm not saved. I was an old sinner. But I've been saved by grace. I'm not no sinner anymore. 2 Corinthians 5.21, I learned from the Word of God that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm not who I used to be. Paul said in in Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. He said, I died with him. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, he said, for Christ liveth in me. He said, the life that I live, he said, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I don't live just by my human reasoning and senses anymore. I live by the faith of Jesus now. I use my head, I use my senses, but I don't trust them like I trust what's in here because it's Christ in me, hope of glory. And so Christians need to have the revelation of who they are in Christ. Would you get the revelation that's greater as in you than hits in the world? Then nothing's impossible to you. Amen. Amen. Would you get the revelation that you can do all things through Christ, which strengthens you? It takes the limits off. Amen. Christians need revelation from the Holy Spirit of the things that God's prepared for you. The wisdom of God. The mind of Christ. The anointed of God. The name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so number one, you need the revelation of who you are in Christ. Number two, what you can do because of Christ in you what you can do because of Christ in you. You know, I think about the miracles that God's allowed me to be a part of for the last 38 years. I think about the time, a few years ago, had a lady come up on a Wednesday night with a cataract in her eyes, an older woman. And my hands, because of Christ in me, because I laid hands on a lot of people the wrong way, for I saved nothing happens except bad things. But as a Christian, with the anointing of God in these hands, because of Christ in me, I could lay hands on a lady of Cadillacs and see him melt. I can lay hands on a copie young man with a messed up spine and sit straightened up. That's the head of these people, some when he was, what, 30, 31 years old, grown man, laid hands on him. That's because of Christ in me. Christians need the revelation in Mark chapter 16, verse 17, Jesus said, "Believers lay the hands on sick and they shall recover. Need the revelation you've got anointing in you as a believer. you need that revelation. you can lay your hands on people and God will heal them. You need to know that and that's what Paul said. I'm praying for a spirit of wisdom, revelation of the hope of your calling what's in you. That's how you pray for believers. And then also, number number three, you need the revelation of what you can have because of what Christ has provided for you. Of what you could have. Is the book of Philippians in your Bibles? How about Philippians chapter 4? How about verse 19? But much. But my God, it says, shall supply all of your need according to how much the minimum wage is in California today. But my God shall supply all of your need according to if your boss gives you a raise for inflation. But my God shall supply all of your need if you can only work two more jobs. God said in Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. According to his riches in glory. Amen. According to his riches and glory. But he said, through Christ Jesus. It's through Christ Jesus. And so I highly recommend you stay as close to Christ Jesus as you can. Amen. Who you're hanging out with. What you're watching. How you're talking. Where you're going. And you know, I'll just throw something out for you. it's Just whatever it's worth to you for the casual attenders. If you're in crisis, don't run to Disney. Mickey Mouse isn't going to heal you. (laughs) Goofy is not going to give you a better job. If you're depressed and contemplating suicide, Donald Duck is not going to heal your mind. Hey, man. Hey, man. Hey, I've been out in California a long time. I've watched the... I'm talking nice. I'm not saying wrong words. I've watched deceived Christians when crisis is on. Instead of running to church where the anointing is, they run to Goofyland, where they get a big blessing from the government in February. Instead of giving some to the ministry of Jesus Christ, they run to Goofyland. <laughs> Amen. And so you need to have the revelation of what Christ has provided. I want you to look at verse three, and I want to show you something here. And if you don't get anything else today, what I'm going to tell you off this verse right here, write it down. It'll be online this week later on this sermon, It'll be online where you can listen to it online. Go to our website, uh, the www stuff, uh, hdwc.org. We, matter of fact, you download the app, the hdwc app. But go on there to the other sermons, you hear this gift. I want you to listen to this. This is the way the Lord taught this to me years ago. I knew it, but this clarified it. And this is what Paul's praying for, for your eyes be open to see what already belongs to you. He said in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, that's present tense, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings, In heavenly places in Christ. He's blessed us. In other words, whatever's in the spiritual will come into the natural if you pray it out. Healing, healing is not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. Healing comes from God. Doctors can do some things. They can cover up some symptoms. Sometimes they can do some different things, knock out some things that's on you. But real healing that you're going to keep comes from God. You reach out to the spiritual realm where God is a spirit. And you reach there and pull healing out. Deliverance from demons comes from God. That's a spiritual thing. Born again salvation comes from God. That's a spiritual thing. And he says right here, he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Well, that's back to Philippians 4.19. He'll supply all you need according to his riches and glory. That's the spiritual realm. God gives us thanks for the spirit. Now listen to this. Here's how God taught me this, helped me a bunch, but it'll help believers. He says he's already done all he's going to do. He's already done all he's going to do. Well, at this point in time, when he talked to me, uh, look at Joe Mumford, I got to think about it. Joe coming back to the mechanic arena. Because Joe does this a lot better than me. I do a little bit of mechanics, but not a whole lot. But anyway, the Lord said this to me. Now, listen really closely. I say in the name of Jesus, you're going to see the principle of this. Because this is how most Christians, I'd say 90% of Christians miss it in their prayer life. He said, I was looking at my car that needs a serpentine belt. And that's, that's part for car, in case you know what it is, the car part. He said, well, if you've already got the serpentine belt in your hand, but you don't know how to put it on, but you've got it, and you keep praying, oh, God, give me a serpentine belt. Oh, God, give me a serpentine belt. He can't give it to you if you've already got it. You're praying the wrong prayer. You've got it. You just don't know what to do with it. Christians are praying, Oh, God, give me healing. Oh, God, give me healing. Oh, God, do this. Oh, God, do that. He said, I've already blessed you with everything I've got. And then Paul said, pray for your eyes to be open to see it. Isn't that what that prayer is? That follows verse 3. He said, the eyes your are open to see what belongs to you. So the Lord told me, he said, here's the right prayer. Now, listen to this. You know, Jesus always talked in parables. Well, God still gives parables today. Back in Jesus' day, they didn't have serpentine belts. In our days, we do. Back in Jesus' day, they didn't have cars. They didn't have auto mechanics because they didn't have cars for auto mechanics to work on. we got mechanics today. They didn't have computers back then. You can go online and see how to do stuff online. We go online today. So he told me, he said, here's the right prayer. You've got the part. So why are you praying for the part? You've got it. You've got to change your praying. You say, Lord, I ask you in the name of Jesus, send me a mechanic that will either put it on for me or will teach me how to put it on. you got to change your praying. And he said, also you can pray then, Lord, help me find a book. an Adam case book, that'll show me how to put it on. Or now we say, I want to go on Google and Google how to put a serpent serpentine belt on and somebody teach me how to do it. Well, stop to think about this now. You know, this is going to be earth-shattering, what I'm going to tell you. I know how to put healing on. I know how to put deliverance on. I know how to get children set free to serve God. That's one of these Ephesians 1, 3 blessings God's already blessed us with. All these blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And so, if you're praying over and over and over again the same prayer that God says I've already given it to you, then why don't you start praying this Ephesians chapter 1 prayer? Spirit of wisdom, revelation, that you'll know how to put on the blessing from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. And then God will send you to a place like this. Well, you'll have a professional mechanic. You know, Joe's a professional mechanic. I'm not a professional preacher. I'm an anointed preacher. But God will bring you in to have somebody right here. And I've got an auto manual right here called the B-I-B-L-E. That's a people manual. And so I will show you where to go in your manual to show you what I did with these children today in Proverbs 22.6. You know, my dad used to say this to me about my car. My dad was a mechanic. My dad would look at my car and said, I found the problem already. I say, what, dad? "Said, got a loose nut behind the wheel. <laughs> I already found your problem about your kids. You want to know what it is? Got a loose nut leading them. Amen. <laughs> hey, how do I know that? twenty-two, 22.6. Says you train about the way you should go. They won't depart from it. So I know before I can correct my children, I gotta correct me. I gotta make adjustments in me. I can tell you the problem already. As somebody said, Well, I don't believe that. Well, do like I did. This sit there, look at that car, said there's no serpentine belt, but you got it in your head. I wish I had a serpentine belt. Oh, I wish I had a serpentine belt. God said you got one, dummy. I've given you the answer right now for lots of things you're facing in life. You've already got, according to Ephesians one three. God said, I've already blessed you for all spiritual blessings in empty places. We saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, he says, your eye hadn't seen, your ear hadn't heard the things that belong to you. He said it. He said it revealed to you by the Spirit. And so he stopped to think about this. The same Holy Spirit that inspired these men to write words in the Bible is the same Holy Spirit that puts gifts inside of people like me to teach you the Bible. I don't have a different spirit to that spirit that's in there. And so you've got the same spirit, too, in you. And so when the Spirit of God says, I've raised up teachers in my church to teach you and to feed you with wisdom and knowledge and understanding, that if you'll come into a church like this and you are listening to the words that we teach and you were seriously write down things, and it's so great, it's, it's so great. To have this internet stuff. Back back when I first started Christianity, the best we could do was have the little cassette tapes. Man, this charge of five bucks 30 years ago for a little old tape that broke. But now you can go for free, man. Just go on there like that just to bypass some of your goofy games. And just go on the internet and get the word of God. It'll help you. Amen. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. And so... You need to change your praying. And I want to show one more passage before we close it down. I want to show you the value that Jesus puts on revelation knowledge. Look at Matthew chapter 16. The value that Jesus places on revelation knowledge. And, you know, when when you begin to understand the principles I'm teaching today, you'll find out you'll never need money again. You don't know ought to get money to show up. It comes from God. You'll never need healing again. You don't know have to get to show up because it comes from God. Being tormented in life. Peace comes from God. And so once you begin to get a revelation from the Spirit of God about what belongs to you and how to grab it out, your whole life's changed. It changes your prayer life. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say you're John the Baptist or Elijah or others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Well, he said, That's what the world said. But then he said, You my followers, he said, But whom say ye that I am? And look at this. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Well, Christ was not his last name. Christ meant Messiah, the anointed one with the anointing. He was the one that came from God that had the anointing to deliver the whole world. And Peter said, You're not just a great prophet. He said, You're the Messiah. You're him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are thou, Simon, by Jonah. look at this. Here's that word again. For flesh and blood hath not revealed. That's a supernatural revelation of something in the spiritual world that eyes can't see. I hath not seen nor ear heard. The other people saw a prophet, but God opened Peter's eyes and he saw the Son of God. He said, Flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven... And I say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And so I'll wrap this up for you, tell you what that simply means. And remember the subject today is how to pray for believers. And so, Paul's praying by the Spirit of God for believers to get revelation knowledge of the spiritual realm, of what belongs to them. And so then Jesus said that, Peter, you've received revelation, of whom I really am. But said, you didn't receive it by going to college. You didn't receive it by people trying to convince yourself that said, my Father put it right in your heart. This is Messiah, the Son of God. And so... When we pray, God will reveal Bible truth to whom we're praying for. That God reveals truth of what they need to see for where they are in life. So when we pray, God will reveal the Bible truth. And so then he said in verse 18, upon this revelation, the rock is the rock solid foundation. How do we know that Jesus is the chief cornerstone of the church? Well, he said the solid foundation I'll build my church on is the revelation that I'm Jesus, the Son of God. Doesn't all Christianity revolve around that? He's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for our sins, raised from the dead, sees the right hand of the Father. He said, I'll build my church upon this revelation. Upon revelation knowledge, the gates of hell cannot prevail. And so what that means is for this. Believers... Need revelation. They don't need a Jesus. They got that now because they're born again. We need revelation knowledge as believers of the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the value of praying in other tongues. We need that revelation. We need the revelation. He's given us power over all the power of the enemy. And nothing's He's hurt us. We need the revelation that we love one another. We need the revelation from God. That we tithe to have the witness of heaven open on our family and on our blessings, His blessings on our life. We need revelation from God that we have authority over anything Satan throws our way. He said, I'll build my church on revelation knowledge. And so, as a born again Christian, when you've got the revelation that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, that you need to grow from revelation to revelation to revelation to revelation. What's that? It needs to become real to you that Christ redeemed you from the curse of cancer. That Christ redeemed you from the curse of Alzheimer's. That Christ redeemed you for whatever it is trying to come your way. The Bible teaches over and over and over again, we are redeemed from the hand of the enemy. We belong to God. Those things may be in the world, but they're not supposed to be in the church. And Jesus said, now listen to this. Because if you've never never got this revelation, get this. He said the gates of hell cannot prevail against revelation knowledge. That's why you have Christian martyrs that will stand in front of a firing squad and give their life because it's real to them. That heaven's real. Jesus is the way to heaven. I will not renounce Christ. They say we're going to take your head off. It's been revealed to them in their hearts that Christ is real. They'll die for Christ because he's real to them. It needs to be just that real to Christians about stealing God's tithe. It needs to be so real in your heart that God said, bring your tithe into my storehouse. And when you do, you give me permission to rebuke the devourer. You give me permission to open up the windows of heaven for my blessing upon you. I have room enough to receive it. And whatever else it is of the word of God that you need in life for victory, that becomes real to you. You say, I'll tell you what, you take everything I got, but I'm still going to give 10% to God. I don't care what you do to me, God gets my tithe because it's real to you. Amen. Amen. I just close I'll just close it off with this. In verse nineteen, he said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Keys represent authority. And that book I showed you, The Authority of the Believer, the Believer's Authority, you have authority. You can bind the devil and you can loose the blessing of God. He said you can do that. And so when a believer knows who they are in Christ, what they can do, and what they can have in Christ. There's nothing Satan can do to hold you back from living a victorious Christian life. Amen. Revelation knowledge. That's how you pray for believers. Believers need to have revelation knowledge of the truths of God's Word. So pray Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 to 23, over yourself, over fellow believers. And based upon the authority of God's Word, I can promise you you're going to see a change. Amen, amen, amen. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.